What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Welcome back to the PC Speaking Podcast. As always, I'm grateful that you guys take the time to tune in. And uh, a little different uh, feature today, I've got my friend Dr. Darby Finnison with me today, all the way from Somerset, Kentucky. I guess you had to travel, what, 8,000 miles or so to get here? Yeah, quite a little trip, yes, sir. That's a pretty good commute. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just trying something a little different for the podcast, having some guests on, and hopefully it's something you guys enjoy. And uh, yeah, I'm grateful that you've come to visit. You've been here in Australia for uh, about a week now, I guess, yeah? Yeah, I've just about woke up. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> just just starting to get over the back. get a real yeah. answer today, so it's good. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah, I, I'm hoping we can might talk a little bit about, uh, just maybe let people know what it's like to be a pastor, what things that are involved in a pastor's life, all that kind of stuff. Um, when you think back, was there a moment, maybe a defining moment, where you knew that that's what you were going to do with your life? Oh, wow. Good question. Let's start with an easy one. Okay? <laughs> um, you know, there there are a lot of defining moments. The, the key is when you look back, you can see them. When you're in them, you don't know. Oh, that's so true. It, yeah. you, cross that, you cross that path and you hopefully make the right decision and it, it has ripple effects or the wrong ones we have to learn from. But uh, in all honesty, I'd just gotten out of high school, had my path all marked out like everybody. Somebody says, if you want to make God smile, just tell him your plans. I'm sure he was smiling <laughs> real big. And uh, I was 18 years old. And it's kind of like, you know, every sermon you hear, every song you hear, you say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever, but I'd like to go make a lot of money. I was going to be a lawyer and all this good stuff. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, it didn't impress God too much. And no. so um, in that summer, I knew just, you know, without having, once I quit struggling, you just know. You know, there have been a few things in my life I just knew. My wife, mm -hmm. we dated once and I asked her to marry me. Wow. Uh, you probably covered on the podcast. Say, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I've known her for years, a, but yeah, hey, yeah. listen, before she got to know me, we had to make that, you know, seal that deal. Yeah. Uh, the first church I pastored, I walked in, they said, you know, you're just filling in, you're a young kid. Walked out, told my wife, said, we're going to pastor here. There are those things that you know. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things that I just knew. Once I quit struggling, I just knew. So I uh, walked an aisle, made it public, and dove in. Been running yeah. ever since 47 years ago. Wow, 47 years. And have you been married the whole time? Uh, no, I was married the next year. Came uh -huh. back home, and she had not been in church a lot. So I said, now, being a pastor's wife might be a challenge. She said, oh, it'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> She's killed me a hundred times for that one. But um, no, we both were young, had a lot to learn. We got married one year after I started seminary, and I took mm -hmm. her back to Florida, and we've been running ever since. Yeah. So how's it been for your family being uh, in uh, ministry life? You know, there, there are a lot of downsides. I hear a lot of— um, Pastors speak about dysfunctional families, difficulty on kids, and some churches can destroy a, a pastor and their family, some mm. cultures. But we have been incredibly blessed. My son's in full-time ministry. He's on staff yeah. with me, covering at home while I'm here. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, my daughter's uh, on staff at a church in, in Anchorage, Alaska, and mm -hmm. they've, um, they have both just— uh, 
they're better than I ever will be. You know how that story goes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, every pastorate is a little different, but we've been incredibly blessed. Learned a lot of hard lessons along the way. Mm. Grateful for them, but um, I, we've we've just done. We've been incredibly blessed. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, your son Dustin, he's in full time ministry. He's uh, involved in music as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they have a band. They travel. They do uh, student camps in the summer and D now weekends, uh, discipleship weekends. Uh, stay really really busy. He writes. I think he was on. Um, he wrote for Capital for a while and different uh, uh, groups out of Nashville. Our worship leader is out of Nashville, and they just team up. They're more like brothers than they are coworkers, <laughs> and so. Uh, but he's done really well, has a heart for the Lord, extremely good communicator. They, I think they like me being gone. So, <laughs> so they can listen out. to him. Yeah, just, we can listen to Dustin today. So oh, there you well. go. Yeah, he's a good fella. Yeah, I know Dustin as well, obviously. And yeah, he's a great guy. Um, well, here, here's one for you. Um, I find that um, obviously pastors are, are careful about what they talk about. I mean, sometimes you're dealing with issues of confidentiality. There's all kinds of landmines to step on and stuff like that. But uh, one of the things I've found in talking to a lot of pastors, and I, I, you know, I'm not going to put you on the spot with it, but sure you um, will. <laughs> I find that pastors are very guarded. They're very difficult to get to know. And it's, it's hard to get past that elder shell. Um, uh, for for other pastors, for church members, things like that. What do, why do you think that is? Uh, well, if you've been burned a few times, you, uh, yeah, that'll you, do it. You eh? learn pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, you put up those walls in the shell. Um, uh, the, the question has a lot of facets, and I probably have more answers than you have time. Yeah. Uh, I, I will tell you this: there's there's that that fear, especially when you start of a large part of what we do and the decisions we make. Um, we honestly try to please the Lord, but you can't see him and you can't hear him. So it's the people sitting in the pews. It's your peers in ministry. It's those people that you actually become more conscious of. Mm. And, you know, honestly, I think there's a, there's a growing process to where you're afraid to say the wrong thing, afraid somebody be upset, afraid somebody else. You know, there's just that fear factor that I don't think you can take out of it. Um, our experience has been relatively good. We've been blessed with a lot of great churches and people. And mm-hmm. But if you deal with people, you deal with the downside. And so I think you have to take, you begin with putting a shell up because you want to you want to come across right. You know, you'll be godly <laughs> and spiritual yeah. and you don't want to have, you know, you're, you don't want your feet to stink like everybody else. And yeah, so, there you go. You know, as time goes on, I think part of the shell comes with, uh, with learning you learn that you don't have to please everybody and that's a relief. Mm. It's a release. But then there is that, that aspect, Chris, that you probably have with some of your people. You have a heart for them and, mm. and you try to shelter them. Some people need to see a pastor a certain way. Yep. And, you know, if you share those really deep things that we have like everyone else that mm-hmm. we may need prayer with or help with, some people can't handle that in their leader. And so you you almost do it not to hide but to protect them. I mean, if they if they if their image of you is tarnished, they may not have the maturity to sift it all out and realize what's what. So you you kind of have that concern for your people. So. Yeah, I think I've found that myself. And in recent years, there's some people who how they view their pastors almost a sense of security for them. That's right. And when that breaks down, it really is is difficult for them to process that. Not. 
not that you're not trying to be genuine with people. It's not like that, but some people kind of need you to be different things at different times. That's right. They just, um, it makes them your word secure. That's a great way to put it. Uh, mm. And hopefully as a church grows um, and you're there longer, um, that kind of, there's a, there's a curve in that, you know, that scale of, of how re- relaxed you are. Um, I, we've talked and one of the things that I mm. really work hard with is to be real what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. I think the one of the pitfalls for a pastor is to have a public perception and public life and then have a private life and there be a huge disconnect between those two. Uh, while everything you do privately, you don't need to put on Facebook or tell the world. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The flip side of that coin is uh, you don't want to play games. You can't pretend. Yeah. You, you Eventually, you walk both sides of a fence. You're going to hit a fence post and it's not mm. pleasant. So uh, Yeah, that's that kind of runs into the... Uh, hypocrisy, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, and you when can you're... convince yourself, I'm doing it for the Lord. And you probably do, the best of intentions, but there's no one I know that can not that can try to live a pr- public life mm-hmm. and have a really distant private life. And after a while, they'll either crash and burn, make a mistake, or people will clue into it like, they're, they're a sorry hypocrite and you lose your leadership skills. I try to be really honest with our people to the mm-hmm. extent that I think they can handle it. Um, if I'm struggling in an area, if I need help, I, I, I try. It's a work in progress. Um, our motto at our church is what you see is what you get. Um, yeah. Yeah. I try to try not to play games. Um, you know, I grew up in an area of churches. If you went to the beach, you were a terrible person. Of course, living on the Gold Coast, I think everybody does. <laughs> yeah, on the Gold Coast, I don't, yeah. I don't reckon you can get away with that. So I wouldn't tell them I'd slip yeah. out the beach and hide it, you know. <laughs> now I just tell them we're going spend a week on the beach, see when we get back. And yeah. we've got a people that, that they're just normal, real people. And um, the walls have come down. There's always the caution, mm-hmm. being aware of your impact on people, but there's always the caution of playing games and hurting yourself and others. Yeah. I think there's, I think you touched on something there as well, is that as a, as a leader in a church and people probably often have more respect for you than they should, at least for me. And what you say often carries a lot of weight and you have to kind of deal with that carefully um, because you can damage someone unintentionally or like the security thing we were talking about. Right. You can, you can shake that up. Yes, sir. So yeah, you do have to be kind of cautious. It's not really a hide away thing, but it is a, if you are concerned about your people, it matters how you speak to Amen. them. It's just wisdom, you know, and yeah. Um, and you learn over time. You make a few mistakes. One thing I, I will mention, and you know it as well, but people listening may need to be reminded is pastors have a notoriously bad track record of saying too much or revealing confidences or not being trustworthy. And, and that's really another issue. Mm. But I think we need to continually be who we're supposed to be before the Lord, who people need us to be and being honest, truthful, and yet... Um, trustworthy and that's a, a balance we have to work at all the time mm, yeah I, I was thinking about and this is this is a bit of a cultural thing too which is kind of interesting because I've, I've been in Australia for 15 years now so my my attitude and thoughts and the way I do this has changed a lot but how do you balance ministry life and your responsibilities there with everyday life in your responsibilities there Hmm. What do you mean by everyday life? Well, I, I mean, I Give suppose me like your your family and okay. maybe, well, in, 
kind of person. I don't know if this is a word you guys throw around a lot in the States, but something we talk about a lot in Australia and, and through counseling and things is self-care. Mm. Um, you know, keeping yourself, uh, your head above water, so to speak. Right. Giving yourself room to breathe. Um, oh, okay. Well, let me give you the answer I'm supposed to give you <laughs> with the caveat before we begin that I'm, I'm, I'm trying really hard to learn that. Um, yeah. I love to work. I yeah. always have my average work week, especially here in Australia. Y'all think I'm, I'm crazy. I'll put in 60 to 80 hours and love every second of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, The flip side of that is if you work all of the time, especially with a family, uh, they need you as much mm-hmm. as you need to be a, away from what you're doing. Yeah. Um, you need to give your brain a chance to kick out of gear. Uh, if you don't have the experience at home, if you don't do things with your kids, if you don't step out of your spiritual world, before long, your mind gets stale. You just need to turn it off and do something different. And uh, of course, I think scripture teaches that. But the truth is, it's like uh, airplane, you know, the little waitress demo at the very beginning or mm-hmm. stewardess, you know, when the mask drops, make sure you put it on yourself first before you try to help the person next to you or your kid. Um, as a pastor, we teach people what we've learned. Um, we help them all that we can. But if we're not in a place that's real and, and balanced, it's going to be really hard to fake it. Just want to make sure we're, we're still doing, recording. Still recording. Okay. My, uh, my screensaver came on, so I was like, oh, "I better double check yeah, that." If it's still going. Yeah, don't um, but to answer that question, you know, I, I think that each person has to figure out their own thing. Some pastors develop hobbies, golf or fishing or whatever, surfing. Um, I don't have a lot of hobbies, but um, you know, reveal a secret. I go home every day for lunch and fix lunch for my wife when she gets off work, so we have an hour or two there that. I may not get home until eight or nine o'clock at night, but we have that time that's, you know, quiet and hours and uh, I need that. Mm. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's always that uh, struggle pastors have as well, because often people like the majority of your people don't see you during right. the week. I mean, some do, you know, you, you may meet with people for different reasons, uh, but uh, there's always that element where people are like, man, that guy didn't work but a couple hours a week. So, I mean, <laughs> what's your week look like from Monday to Sunday? Oh, man. Thankfully, it may take a little, it took a little while for people to know it, but they know I never go home. And yeah. One of the cool things about that is they rarely call me at home. Yeah. Our people have been so good. They know when I get home, there's nothing left. <laughs> no brain cells. No, no point in anyway, yeah. Just leave them alone. They've been so gracious to give us our private life. They take care of us. But the, our solution is probably different than yours. Ours is a church with a big, huge parking lot and public. Mm-hmm. And I have a parking place right there. So they're used to going by at five in the morning, seeing my vehicle, and eight mm-hmm. at night, seeing my vehicle. They, they know I'm there. Yeah. And okay. so uh, our people, one thing I've never been accused of is not putting in the time I need to. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, well, I could, don't guess I have either. People have always, I've, if anything, they've told me I need to slow down a little bit. But yeah. Uh, Sometimes I've I've heard about you guys struggling with that a little bit, and maybe maybe that's legitimate in their case. I don't know. There's always well, that there are some pastors I know that give some credence to that two hour work week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you kind of have to be a self starter because yeah. most of your week's pretty unsupervised. Yeah, and you can get away with a lot, but eventually it'll catch you. Yeah, yeah, you've got to got to keep doing the right thing. So, yeah, what? It, well, I guess in every week's different, really. I know it is for me. 
um, it would be tough to tell somebody, you know, what's my week look like from Monday through right. to Sunday. It just depends on what's right. happening. It's always a little different. I mean, there's always study time in there. That's always a staple. Yes. Sir. Um, but well, yeah, study time. What does your process look like to prepare for a Sunday morning? Okay. Um, well, you have three or four factors. One, you've got 47 years of preparation. And so, <laughs> thankfully, you can't put it in automatic, but a lot of the studying stuff I've done in seminary and language and all of that comes into play and pull those mm-hmm. old notes out. But a lot of what we do now is series. What I've found is there are times that a one-sermon bullet is what's needed. Mm-hmm. But you can usually build continuity and really build a deeper understanding if you have three or four weeks that you can have or something home. It, oh, they, yeah. all, they all differ. You know, you may go longer or shorter. But I usually, um, the series, I know several months in advance as I pray, God just brings something that, I never bring something to our people that hasn't affected me. Mm-hmm. If I'm okay, not learning, yep. if I'm not growing, if it doesn't rip my heart out or fire mm-hmm. me up, it won't do them any good either. So yep. that I just make sure of. But once I have an idea of where I'm going, then I spend time, I'll read the passage. You don't, you do it too, probably 10, 20, 30 times. I read it and read it and read it and read it and mm. read it. And the most amazing, there's just stuff that comes to life. Oh yeah, you find things you've never seen yeah, before. Yeah, I'm like a kid in the toy store. I tell people it's because <laughs> I'm getting old and I, you know, I'm forgetting everything. So now it's all new. <laughs> it's all new again. Yeah, I said, uh, wow, I've never seen that before. I read, read it like a thousand times. But yeah. um it actually begins with that. I'll read in several versions because I grew up traditional, good old King James and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I love it. But what happens when you get familiar with anything, you miss the familiar. You miss the wonder in the familiar. Mm. People who've been in church all their life compared to someone who just, you know, fell off, got saved, you know, changed radically. They look at people that sit there kind of ho-hum and say, what are you doing? Don't you know how great this is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think pastors can do that too, uh, or all of us, reading the word. Um, mm-hmm. If you get used to it, that's bad. Yeah. You, know, you just, you got to walk away with wonder. Mm. And so I spend the time to where it starts coming to life and little things start rising to the surface and you start to hear God speak. What they want on Sunday is not your brilliance and mine. That won't help anybody. No. They really need to hear from the Lord. And the only way we can share that is if we've heard from him. So I just, you know, I'll break it apart, uh, tear the passage apart, do the linguistic studies, you know, look at all the way it's struck. And I get that thought, this is what God is saying. And then when you get that, you can't wait to share that. Oh, yeah. It's always, it's great to yeah. wake up on Sunday morning and be yeah. excited. Now, getting there, that's work. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah. There's a lot of time that goes into that. Yes, sir. I know it, it varies from week to week, but it could be, oh, yeah, a lot of hours go into yes, preparation for a Sunday. And that's then for sure. I rarely, we talked about our habits. I, I usually put it together some ahead of time. I'll give it time to kind of stew in my mind, work it mm-hmm. out. I, it's usually Saturday night or I'll go in early, early Sunday morning before I finalize everything just so that it will be fresh and I'm ready to just come out of the box swing. And so, mm, yeah, it's, it is, it's good to be excited for it. Um, I know personally, I, I, uh, you're, you're a little better at like, uh, what, what am I not freelancing? That's not just, just, yeah. yeah. Free will. Yeah, free will. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You take go yeah. into the pulpit with a yes, few sir. notes and take off. And I'm a guy who likes to have a little more, a <laughs> little more, uh, a noted speaker. Yeah. There you go. Noted speaker. <laughs> That's right. I may not necessarily follow them precisely, but, uh, they're always yeah, there for there. me. Yes, yeah. Sir. Yeah. So in that, I mean, you, obviously we put a lot of prep work in, how do you go about, um, 
what prompts you? How do you go about deciding what you're going to talk about from week to week, your sermon you know, series and yeah, things like that? Yeah, well, that's another good question. And I can give you general answers. And, and mm-hmm. you already know them, but thanks for asking. I'll share, <laughs> I'll share what you already know. Um, there are several things. Number one, I found that if God is really hammering me for something, um, I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. Mm. My core beliefs haven't changed that much, but I see things differently. Uh, I've grown. And I'm so thankful. I wonder what I'll be in another five years if God allows. Yeah. So whatever God is hammering home to me at the moment is of course most real. Mm-hmm. And it's easier for me to say, Hey guys, this is what I'm, this is like the holiness of God. You know, I've just been diving into that and it's more than just some, it's like, wow, God says, take a peek at what I, what you can have. And when I begin to sense and it begins to change me, mm-hmm. then it's just a matter of figuring out how to share that with other people. That's one thing. Uh, a second thing is to be very in tune with what's going on in the world around us, as well in the lives of our particular people, their world. Um, there are things that may need addressing, uh, comfort, direction. COVID, of course, presented a lot of those challenges. Oh, yeah. People scared to a lot death. Of challenges. Not and you had to take them to foundation. You had to give them those those reassuring or those are learning things. Uh, COVID, you know, we didn't like it, but mm. God didn't send me. I don't know if you got it. I didn't get an email from heaven saying, Darby, is this okay with you? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, that's true. I yeah. didn't like it, but he didn't ask if I liked it. No, but there were lessons it, that I learned and our church learned. And I think that we all were meant to learn that we could not have learned elsewhere. And so mm-hmm. you have to be in tune with, you know, what God is trying to do in your world and the world around you. And sometimes not be afraid of them, but step mm. up uh, center stage and address them. You know, yeah. I mean, there are all kinds of issues in our world, probably here, you know, how do you relate, relate to civil government? That's something we normally don't teach. Yep. But in a time like this, when worship and church uh, cross paths with civil responsibilities, mm. God wrote about it. And so yeah, we've got yeah. to teach it. We normally wouldn't um, fear of the unknown, you know, a lot of things. Um, they're just, you take your personal world, you take the world of your people and where they are, what they need. Uh, and it may just be that God just gives you a thought that just excites you and it just drops a little spiritual bomb and it goes off and you say, whoa, I, this, oh, we got to go here. And so I really haven't answered your question, but mm-hmm. usually all of those wheels are turning when we figure out what we're going to, what, what we're going to do on a Sunday morning or a series we're going to start. Yeah. that. COVID, that was, uh, that brings up another thought and we don't have to dive into specific things, but I know as pastors, we often, this is probably part of the reason we're sometimes guarded is we have to address things. That's probably more relevant than it's ever been. We have to address things that are very controversial, especially if we're going to say, stay true to scripture. Right. And like I said, I'm sure everybody listening would love us to dig into all those controversial issues, but I think what would be good to talk about is how to navigate those. When you come up against something and it's in the passage you're preaching and you know it's a controversial issue, maybe in your congregation, maybe in the community, and you know there's a real possibility of that being divisive, how do you manage that? I buy your book. <laughs> so this is what Pastor Chris had to say. You know? um, I'll tell you what I've learned, and only recently, I wish I'd really figured this out a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You do a lot of things with the best of intentions and do the best you can, but you know, time helps you. There are those issues that um, the Lord sent the church, you and me, 
into the world with one basic command. And in case we were a little slow, he repeated it <laughs> different ways, different times. What, 11, 12 times? Go, go, go ye, I'm sending you. As the Father mm-hmm. sent me, I'm sending you. And our mission, Chris, to the world is go give them the gospel of Jesus. It'll mm-hmm. change everything. Then if you read a lot of the New Testament, the Paul to the church of Ephesus, Paul, the church of Corinth, he gets down to that nitty gritty stuff. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of controversy of oh, yeah. morals Ooh. and uh, relationships and our relationship to government. Mm. And one of the things that I've learned, someone, um, someone pointed out to me if you, uh, just a few years ago, and uh, it stuck, is that a lot of times we as believers try to go fix the world answer all of their moral dilemmas, solve all the conflicts, and we feel like we are obligated to weigh into the discussion and win. And that's not what God sent us to do. Mm. It isn't that he's lowered the standard. As a matter of fact, he raises the standard higher than we like to admit sometimes. He said, if you're my believer, this is what I require of you. And he hasn't changed his mind on any of that. But he doesn't look at a lost world who doesn't know him and require something of them they're not capable of doing. He says, the first thing they need is me, the gospel, and then I will begin to change them from the inside. I mm-hmm. think we try to help God <laughs> with the best of intentions. Yep. And what happens is we weigh into the political arguments, weigh into the controversies. Now, I don't know about you, but I have more arguments with me than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I, a lot of COVID, there were yeah. things that I did not mm-hmm. like. But when I took it to Scripture and God says, now, this is what I'm requiring of you. Your responsibility to the world is this. Mm-hmm. It isn't what you want to do. It's what I'm at. I mean, you look at what Peter wrote and what Paul wrote and what James wrote, and they were all in jail fixing to get oh, yeah. killed. That's, yeah. And how they told us to respond to government that's nasty and crooked and we don't believe in. Mm-hmm. Lord didn't, they're just things that you learn. But here's the thing as God's children, he, he laid out a response for us to a lost and dying world, and that's to love them, mm-hmm. allow them to think what they think. We don't have to agree, but. We're not there to fix them and just present them the one thing that changes everything. And honestly, if we pick a political fight to win a point, but mm-hmm. we lose the opportunity to present them Jesus, we've lost the whole ball game. Yeah. He's the answer. I know. I, I find myself, of course, we all have our own views on things, but I find myself having to, to uh, pull those in because yes. I think, okay, what am I really here for? What am I really supposed to be doing? Um, even if I get in an argument about this, is it going to do any good right. is it going to further the cause of christ probably not right so it's just a lot of that stuff in our world they love to bait us <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> yeah, that's so they true love to push buttons and yep. say, let's see if we can make him <laughs> look stupid him here or getting people mad to her. but the bottom line is uh, we don't ever need to hide from what we are and what we believe no. that again is destructive and to be honest the world doesn't expect us to be you know just whatever they, 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 if, if we don't stand for something, what are they going to listen to? But the flip side of it is our purpose is not to win an argument or a battle. Our purpose is to present Jesus and then real change becomes possible until that. I mean, who has the ability to live a Christian life with all the Christian values without Christ? It's impossible. No, no, you just can't do that. Can you? And so uh, the, we, we've done, we've gone backwards. And so, the answer for a lot of the controversy is begin and end with Jesus. Mm, yeah, the gospel message, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yep. 
for sure. I've found um, when I come up against something that's difficult, I find the best thing I can do with it is just don't add anything to it. Right. Add any, don't add anything more than what's already there. Just right. go with that, you know. And of course, when you, you speak to people, you try to do so in a compassionate, understanding way. But yeah, just don't add anything to it. Yeah. And then, you know, you just have to leave it up to the Lord after that. And and he, the thing that amazes me, I think we were talking about the other day, is we think our world can't get any worse. <laughs> There's it always can. that. Yeah. Oh, it can for sure. Yeah. And if you go back, the world that first that first century uh, church faced, mm. it was more warped than ours. They just didn't have twenty four hour news programs to you know put a <laughs> yeah. camera on it. It was wicked to the core. Oh yeah, and a little fledgling group of people. I can imagine when the Lord said, I'm going to send you into all the world and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. They look around, they were like, we're fishermen, Lord. We don't even know how to read or write. You got to be, us change the world. But he knew what they didn't know. We know now looking back, it wasn't who they were, it's who he was. Yeah. And -hmm. they didn't go in to argue with Nero or Zero or whoever he was. (laughs) They didn't go in to topple governments, call in all the Christian troops and overthrow the... They went to preach Jesus. They yeah. lived Jesus. And those simple believers changed the world. Yeah. I think it's always helped to remember, too, that I, everything in this world is temporary. Mm-hmm. It's only don't overinvest in something. You know, you wouldn't invest a bunch of money in something you know is going to collapse That's in a right. couple of years. You wouldn't do that. So That's right. Don't invest too much in this. It's, those believers, they, they were more than I'll ever be, but... They hurt like we did. They struggled. But with Hebrews, they were thinking about quitting. And he said, just hang in there. It's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But they didn't hold on so tight. They, yeah. You know, when you don't fear death, Jesus had just walked out of a tomb and said, guys, you're going to be all right. You know, it kind of changes things. We acknowledge it here, but we don't live like it here. Yeah. And so um, they, uh, you're right. They didn't hold on too tightly. It is. The uh, one thing they did hold on to was him. Yeah. It can be difficult to make that head to heart connection. Yeah. I really can because there's a lot of things we do know in our head, but then, you know, living those out, sometimes that's a little more challenging. What we really believe shows up in the choices <laughs> yeah. we make. Do we really believe? Yeah. Do we really live like that? Yeah. I mean, I might say one thing, but when you see what I'm doing, you'll pretty well get a clue of where I am. Yeah. Well, we've talked a fair bit about um, speaking, but, you know, there's a lot of things involved in pastoral ministry. Uh, we do a lot of counseling as well, of course. Um, that's something. I know you've done a lot of, I've done a fair bit of it. Um, is there a process you go through when you counsel someone? I mean, obviously we're not going to hmm. It just talk depends too on much the circumstance. About, uh, you get everything from two young people looking with that day's look saying, we think we want to get married, you know? Ah, uh, yes. To want to get those married. who are married saying, we wish we had. <laughs> <laughs> and everything in between. So you get everything. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, my, my least favorite kind of counseling is couples counseling. Oh, yeah. oh gosh. It, you know, one has a baseball bat and the other a frying pan. Yep. You just try to referee. Yeah. I, I, I find that while you're talking to a couple at the same time, they're both working really hard to get you on their side. Oh, yeah. That's usually yeah, what happens. The, the cool thing, Chris, is this. Everybody's messed up. Mm. You know, starting with the counselor and some of my greatest crash and burn and my biggest regrets have helped me understand people in the world better to where, you know, when they come in, I tell them, look, you're not going to shock me. I'm not going to think less of you. <laughs> Every now and then, they really try to yeah. do that. Yeah. I think they yeah. just try to push it. But but honestly, you see people differently. And in counseling, um, 
the core again, a lot of times is to remind them of what they already know. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes what we know is the cumulative effect of what we heard from our parents and what culture says and Hollywood says and movies say and educational system and bathroom walls. <laughs> you know, what we know about life comes from the most crazy assortment of sources that we just have. Sometimes people just need to know here's what you're really saying and here's how to make this choice and here's why you're a mess. Mm. You know, you are here because of the choices that got you here. Yep. So if you want to go a different place, let's kind of work it backwards and figure out, you know, what you need to change at the core decision-making process and start making one decision at a time towards a new destination. Mm. And that's a challenge to unravel but I've never seen it fail if people will really put the, the, the time into it because God is always there to help us. The, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Mm-hmm. He wants to show us the next step. And if we will make those carefully, I think I've never seen a, a counseling situation that was impossible. Yep. Never seen it fail. Um, I've seen a lot of people who weren't willing to listen or Yeah, there's change. that. Yep. But if, if a person, if you're speaking individually or a couple even, that will back off and say, okay, what does God say? And let's start taking baby steps to build his new normal. I've never seen it fail. I've never seen a crisis so bad. And that sounds like a, a, a brag. It's not, it's just reality. Mm-hmm. But I've seen a lot of them crash and burn because they just won't listen. Just like us. When we don't listen, we don't do well. Yeah. I think I've, I've, I've probably picked it up from you at some point, but I tell people this, the same thing when they come in and I tell them, you know, there's, there's nothing you're going to say yeah, that's <laughs> that, right. that I, I probably haven't heard before. And yeah. there's nothing you're going to say that's going to make me think less of you. That's right. And once you can get that to the point where people feel like they can talk to you without right. you, uh, you know, looking down on them, then they kind of start to open up. And, and they've and got they to have that. To. Do you realize how often people get stuck with that little phonograph and their uh, phonograph? That's days that that sound bite or that recording over and over and over and over in their mind, and it becomes their reality. They need to learn to hear different, you know, you know and to get it out just where they can even hear what they're really thinking. And yeah, and uh, that that trust factor, those first few steps are huge, but it's necessary. So I don't know if I answered your question, but a few thoughts. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, maybe this is my opinion, but I think Christianity, it doesn't seem to enjoy the same status in culture that it once did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know how much of that was just culture, what's genuine, what's not. Um, but I, and I think it's not so much people are drifting away from spirituality, but Christianity. Um, and what do you think? Is there, what do you think we as pastors can do about that? Well, there's two, I think there's two, there's us as pastors and then there's Christians, lay people as well. Um, what do you think we as pastors as, can do? And we talked about that a little bit. And then maybe just individual Christians, maybe somebody is listening that we could offer them a little help too. That's a really great question. And it's like many of the others that you've asked, it's not an easy answer. Um, yeah. I read a statistic not long ago, it might have been Barna, whoever put it out, uh, that pastors' approval ratings, not that we're aiming for that, but just mm-hmm. polling people. Normally, pastors, clergy are really high on the list of people respected and trusted, but we've dropped significantly to where we're about the same boat as politicians. <laughs> if you're a politician, I'm not downing you here, yeah, but yeah. you know they've always yeah. been pretty got low a tough, on the totem pole. They've got a tough time. They really do. And you got to ask why, and it's really feeding into your question. Um and and I I can think of two or three answers. 
Number one is we've mistaken our intentions for God's instruction, you know, getting mm-hmm. back to our purpose. Yep. As pastors, we have fought, and as churches, we have fought to legislate our beliefs and convictions to required of others to do things, all with the best of intention, because all those, you know, we would say those things are right and mm-hmm. society's better for them. But I think sometimes when we win those battles, we lose the war. Um, mm. When it becomes confrontational, I'm going to win. I'm going to shove my, whether you want or not, this is what you're going to do. And we're going to require it by law. And over the last few decades, the church has been pretty powerful. And they've gotten a lot of legislation, a lot of movement. We're better for it. I really do think that. Mm-hmm. But I also think at the same time that all that effort that we put into making better legislation has not changed people's hearts. And yeah. so we see more bitterness, more anger, more divisiveness. Everybody's right in their own eyes, kind of like the book of Judges. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes, and they yeah. forgot who really matters. Where even pastors, I think we have sold our influence for our convictions. Mm. Where the influence I'm supposed to have is they need Jesus. Now, when we live like him and we love like him and we present him as an option that can really help people live and they see that, we've done our part. Now, there are going to be people who walk away. They walked away from Jesus. Oh, sure. There are people yeah. who hated Jesus. Mm-hmm. But it isn't because he was trying to cram righteousness down their throats. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you know what Jesus' answer was when he went in that uh, Matthew, you do, mm-hmm. went in, uh, when he first talked to Matthew, the good Bible-going, you know, church-going guys were, were just— uh, flabbergasted like you talk to those kind of people jesus said what kind of people yeah and he went home with him and he called him and the whole nine yards um jesus was always upsetting the really religious right people Mm. but he never compromised right he was righteousness incarnate yep he didn't have to worry about you know uh he could love people unconditionally and i think we've lost that art of looking to him living like him and presenting him as the option that can change someone's life. When when they change from the inside, morals will come. A different worldview will come. Mm-hmm. But when we go for the results without the capacity to know him and, and let him produce those, before long, you're going to have a society that gets polarized. And we're not going to always be the predominant legislative power, whatever. And I think overall, the world looks and... They begin to, we lose our power, our, our, our influence because we've been seeking the wrong thing. Rather than their good for his glory, it's our win that we're, we're aiming for. Mm, yeah. Well, and when you think back to early Christians, they had no authority That's right. at all. Uh, if anything, they had no the opposite. political cloud. <laughs> nothing. They had nothing. They had yeah. no, very little money. Uh, but my goodness, they, they were so different that. Even a world that was warped said, you know, there's something to this. There's something they have that I don't have. And I wonder when they see us, if they see something that they want or if they see something they run from. Like, I don't want to catch that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think um, one thing I know, I've kind of boiled it down to and and talked to our church about is really what our job is. And one of them is to take the gospel of the world Mm -hmm. and help people who are suffering. That's right. And when you do those things, you know, that, that when you help people in your community, do good things in your community, that accredits your message. And it's, it's, it's tough to argue with helping people. That's right. It really is. That's exactly right. That's a tough one. 
you know, it's kind of like going to church. If you go to church expecting a blessing and if the preacher doesn't preach the right length of time and the temperature isn't right, the music isn't perfect, then, you know, you're going to believe and then good grief. What a miserable way to go to church on Sunday. Go to church to be a blessing and you'll never be disappointed. You can always put a smile on somebody's face. Yeah, that's you true. Know? And um, it's just that way in general. But anyway, you worked uh, me. What else you got? Yeah, gosh, I know. Like, culture and society are changing so quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. In my time in ministry and your time is a lot longer than mine and I'm sure you've seen a lot of change and I'm kind of wondering what you might think about. How do you see a, the change in a pastor's role? I mean, not that there's a change in the basic things, but the way we do things. And, you know, what do you see as some changes over the years and maybe going into the future and how a pastor does ministry and the role he plays in his community and church? My answer to that will be, as you would expect, um, opinionated. And there are a lot of opinions. There are different models for pastors. Some are, and I don't mean to criticize, but just to explain and, and differentiate, there are those that have the idea that I am God's spokesman. When I speak, God speaks. I had a pastor tell me that one time. When I speak, God speaks. You listen. Mm. Kind of, the, we, we call it a dictator. Or That's a lot of responsibility, man. Yeah, it's huge responsibility. Now, mm. they can usually build very efficient organizations, large churches, because you tell everybody what to do, and if they don't do it, you rig them over the coals, and <laughs> you use people to build the church is a philosophy. Um, um. It sounds like I'm critical because that's not me, and I may be criticizing a little bit. I don't really think that's the spirit of Christ, but I will tell you, a lot of those people have reached people. They built huge organizations, and it's effective mm. for, to an extent. I think if you look at our world, our diminishing influence, we're living in a post-Christian era, whether you admit it or not. Mm-hmm. People aren't going to go to church because they have to. Yep. They're not going to be That's good because they're told to. Nope. It's They've got to see something real. And if you go full force, the Lord gave pastors, Ephesians says he gave pastors for the building of the saints, mm-hmm. for the work of the ministry. Yep. And our role is to lead people into learning who Jesus is and, and how to live that life, to enable them to experience it, to, 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 to be able to develop their abilities that God gave them, and then to guide them into being, like you said, that blessing the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can... We can help people. We can be nice to people. We can serve people whether we like them or not, whether they like us or not, whether they're like us or not. And that's mm. the real t- If What did Jesus say? If if all you can get along with and serve and be effective are people like you who like you, that's not really doing anything. <laughs> the real test of who we are is those people we disagree with, those people that might be totally different. And I think as pastors, we've got to learn that. We've got to model that. We'll never get it perfectly but our people key off of us. And if we can do it long enough and lead them to experience it and put it to work, then I really think that churches will be grown organically from the inside out and will become that influence in the world he's called us to be. Yeah. Well, and I suppose in in many ways, if we have a good attitude about it, we probably have a bigger platform sure. ever than history. People want um, to listen to, if people really know, I mean, if you were a, and we have probably some listening that are not Christian. Some may be anti or mm-hmm. agnostic. They don't know. Um, we can argue all day long. And the simple truth is, my opinion 
is my opinion. I think it's great. Your opinion is your, and we can argue and never get anywhere. Mm. But if I, if you respect people and say, listen, we differ, but I really do care about you. How can I help you? You know, here's something you might want. If our genuine, honest approach is not to go win and notch it, you know, notch our calendar, but our approach and our purpose is to somehow be a blessing and people know that, I mean, they really care about me rather than just, you know, they need another statistic or they want to win a position or win an argument. Uh, we're going to be far more effective. Yeah. That's really a, a big deal, isn't it? And I've seen the world today. People really struggle with that now. There's, mm-hmm. there's, it's, I think, I mean, in li- my lifetime anyway, it's really difficult for people who disagree with each other to have a conversation yeah. now. And that's a shame. It's hard. Usually what I find is the people who holler the loudest, the ones that are most unsure what they believe to begin with. <laughs> they got to cover it up. <laughs> the loudest ones. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh. So how do you see the future of church evolving, you know, going forward, particularly, you know, the changing cultural, social trends. I know there's all kinds of stuff going on in the world now, different opinions about different things, the growth of technology. What do, what do you see happening with church going forward? Uh, well, every day, I'm going to tell you something that you didn't know. You mm. guys don't know. Every day the world turns around. Did you know that? Uh, every single day. And at the same time tomorrow, it's going to look like we're, you know, we're just same place. But do you realize how far we've traveled in the universe without even realizing it? <laughs> every day we get up, the world's changed, Chris. Yep. And uh, years ago, Rick Warren, you may or may not know him or agree with him, but he, he made a statement that's always stuck. He said, we, we're too busy going out as churches trying to make waves, you know, make the, have the latest fad and whatever. He said, you just got to figure out the waves that God's sending and learn how to ride them to be really effective. Mm. And that stuck. Um, we just got to f- know who our world is, know we're, who we're fishing for. Um and bringing it to the church, the church that learns how to meet people where they are and love them as they are, but learns how, when they do that, to lead them to find what we've discovered in Jesus, mm-hmm. whether it's a small church platform or mega church with many campuses, I think you're going to find the ones that really succeed other than the empires that are built. I think sometimes that God may have nothing to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> But the ones that really are successful, the ones that are able to do exactly what he told us to do and to find systems and to use technology, I love it and hate it. Uh, There are people who watch us every Sunday now who never have, Mm -hmm. Um, people who can't go to church. I love it. There are people who stay home, say, I can catch you on TV when I get around to it. I don't have to be a part of the church. And if they're not a part of the church body, they're missing something. There's a presence of the Lord and a power that comes by gathering together something we get from each other and from him in that mix that we can't get on a, we can't get on TV. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent. I mean, I'm very thankful that yeah. we can live stream and yeah. do all those things. And sometimes maybe somebody's sick, they can still tune in. But if, if you don't actually go and are not physically present yep. in person, yep. you're missing something. That's you're exactly getting about right. a third of what you could have. But if we don't learn to utilize that, the world going to keep on rolling. And, yeah. Uh, We've got to use every tool that's available. I heard one of your staff or one of your ministry team today uh, say, listen, we need to be as good or better at the world with the stuff they've got. For, yeah. you know, uh, and, and with the message we have that can change their lives and eternities and change the world, mm-hmm. why would we ignore the tools that are coming to us so fast that we can't keep up with them? Yeah. 
And so we've got to get good at it, but realize the power is not in the tools. They're just a means. Mm-hmm. It always goes back to him. We've got to find a way that Jesus is real first to us and then to them. And whatever means we can do that, music, technology, we just, we've got to learn as the world turns around and we wake up new people, new thoughts. We've got to figure out who they are, how to reach them. Yeah, that's so true. I know. I mean, I know you've been in similar situations in the past, but I've personally have been had the opportunity to be in a lot of different churches and one thing i it took me a while to learn this you know when you first start out in ministry you want to be really trendy and all that kind of stuff but after a while you kind of figure out you know those trends don't really matter as much as i think they did and it's really about the attitude of the people in church because i've seen all kinds of different churches different personalities you know super conservative and then the not so conservative and i've seen Churches that are reaching people and then churches that aren't doing the same thing. Right. And it's you can kind of tell when you visit a church, when you walk in, you can kind of tell that something's good happening right. or that something yeah. not good is happening. We have this idea. And again, you do have to know the people of your community, mm. the people you're ministering to. If you're such an oddball that you can't relate and yeah. we— Christians can be oddballs. <laughs> where people <laughs> they kill say, your people. No, thank you. Yep. I heard, uh, I was at a conference a few years ago, and I won't mention names, but probably one of the key top three or four people of massive church movements, multi-campus, this whole 20 or 30-year trend. I heard him speak, and I had so much fun. I'm an old preacher, number one, and it's just fun mm-hmm. to hear a little— he was not considered conservative. You know, the guys I grew up with, he was radical. He was just, you know, heretical, whatever, because he's different. Mm-hmm. But he just, he's the guy who came up with, I want to be able to have a church that my lost friend is not embarrassed to go to, that I'm not embarrassed to bring him to. Yeah. And there's a lot of truth to that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yep. But he stood up and with several thousand, I was sitting out there, he said, you clowns <laughs> that have to have your smoke and your lights and your skinny <laughs> jeans. He said, quit it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I might have done that at one point way back there. But he says, does that somehow make you more spiritual? No. And uh, I got so tickled. And what he was saying is we need to know our world. Mm-hmm. Um, you minister to the people that you have, but you know the people beyond your walls. If you're going to reach them, Chris, you need to have something they can relate to. Yeah. Uh, Dress-wise, I grew up, you wear a suit and tie. You wear your best to church, you know, never, never. And I don't ever wear a suit hardly anymore. You almost have to die to get a tie. <laughs> and so I'll do that for a funeral. But the, the, but again, part of it was I would hear people over and over and over again, you know, I have to work or what? Why do you have to show off to go to church? And you'll compare your hats or your suits or how much you paid. And that seems so superficial. And honestly, it was. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thoroughly enjoy dressing down. You know, I don't, I try to make it to where I can uh, appeal to most people, but sometimes when they walk into a place, if the standard is not what they're used to, they'll walk out or mentally check out. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Music, you know, that's a big hot button in churches. Oh, yeah. There's not a right or wrong. God is the author of music, period. And if you ask him, he probably likes some of all of it and hates some of all of it, you know, mm-hmm. but but again, what do people relate to? What can they respond to? And so often we just try to put a round peg in a square hole and assume that you got to be this to be spiritual. You got to know who they are. And and somehow 
find a world, a way to be true to who we are in the Lord and real, but also adapt to be able to reach people in a changing world, young people that walk in and uh, families that move into your area or right outside your walls that they live contemporary with what's going on. We've got to find a way to be able to make sure there aren't any hoops they have to jump through or walls they have to go through to get the gospel. And being being aware of our times, of our mediums, of what is effective, what works for me in Somerset, Kentucky, may be totally different than you, mm-hmm. or New York City, or you know wherever. Wherever, yeah. Uh, you have to know your world because that's what God sent us to reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes time to do that as well. And well, it's changing said, all the time. I've become all things to all people. Yeah, he didn't compromise anything. No, but he's wise, and he knew who he's dealing with. But you're you're flexible where you can be flexible yeah. for sure. Yeah, one of the things that always impressed me about you personally is how you're able to get along with all those different people in those different groups. Um, yeah, you got any pointers on how to do that? Oh man, I'm learning. Yeah. I used to not be so good. Uh, I'm just grateful God's helped me to learn and grow, and looking forward to the more growth He has. I will tell you this, it's been it's been a relief to me to be able to sit down with somebody that I might think in my mind, they're idiots, but let them talk and get to know them and, <laughs> and realize, you know, they're God's problem, not mine. Mm-hmm. And um, I will tell you, just to illustrate the point, we hit a real snag about, oh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Some good people, but just it came down to one of those conflicts that you never want to have in a church and it got really, really tough. And um, I had a, a pastor that I'd never got to know, different persuasion, loves the Lord, yeah. but just different way of doing things, different yeah. church. Walk in the doors one day, say, don't have a clue what's going on, but I want you to know I'm praying for you every day. He became my friend. He still is to this day. And mm-hmm. um, God uses sometimes the bumps in the road to show us that being right is not, yeah, it's overrated. <laughs> um, we can be right and get to know all kinds of people. Yeah. And the more people I get to know, um, you know, the people with the weird looks and hairdos and dress to where they, they're expecting a reaction out of you, but you just look at them and ask them about their story and let them be themselves. The more you get to do that, the more fun life becomes. Yeah. That's interesting. Interacting with different people, uh, different walks of life, all of that. Um, it's, it's challenging and fun all at the same time. I know sometimes I think a, a challenge with pastors too is sometimes people will, I, I've, I've found this, people will even do this unintentionally, but they'll kind of put you on a little bit of a pedestal yeah. as a pastor. And I know no pastor wants to be there that's in his right mind because mm-hmm. there, it's a long way to fall. That's right. And it's easy to get hurt. How do you, in your ministry, try to foster an open dialogue with people where maybe they don't do that? Um, Just know that you're real. How do you communicate? You know, make yourself approachable. And that way they know you're a real person, but they still respect you as a pastor. Um, Is there a, a, a formula you have for that maybe? Well, I try to be open with people to the extent mm-hmm. that you can. Um, when I make a mistake, um, back through that time I mentioned about 10 years ago, I just on a Sunday morning said, guys, I need to apologize for a couple of things um, mm, as yeah. a leader. I've done that a time or yeah. two myself. And, I had to stand and up here's and say, the cool yeah. thing about that when it's genuine. 
is it instantly changes a negative people not understanding, not knowing, or just feeling something's off, mm-hmm. giving the devil all kinds of tools to play with in his playground. It instantly changes all of that to a positive. People, if you just say, folks, I need your help. Mm-hmm. Or guys, I'm sorry. You know, in my case, as a leader, I'll let some things go and just figure they'd work out. And and I really shouldn't do that. And number two, this this help, you mentioned this earlier, so we'll kind of dovetail back. I told him, you know, I've been far more aware of keeping people happy more than I'd like to admit. Mm. And I've already apologized to God, but I do apologize to you. Said at the Mm. end of the day, I'm going to love you and I'm going to do my best to be a blessing to you. But there's only one person who has to be okay at the end of the day and smiling. That's the Lord. Mm -hmm. And said, if if you can't live with that, then I'll love you down the road. I'll hold the door open for you. I'm going to get mad at you. But if, it's, I'm not going to live to make you happy. It can't happen. Mm, no, there's a, that's definitely something you have to deal with as a pastor. And I've tried to be honest with people and do that to the extent that I can. Um, I probably reveal too much junk. I've had people say, mm. why? In the, I say, I just want people to know. If they know so often, it just takes away the the unknown, the the possibilities. And, and to the extent that it's not inappropriate, I just think the more informed the people are, the better, are, the better off you are. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm like anybody else. I like people to like me. Yeah. I, I really do. do. Yeah. Uh, but there are times when you yeah. have to stand for something that yeah. makes some people unhappy. And the core thing is you got to be you. Yeah. And not be who they want you to be. You tried leaving a leading a double life like we talked it about. Will it will not work. Yeah. I've crashed and burned and can tell you it's <laughs> not good. Yeah. And so um it's tough to love people and try to be aware of influence, but at the end of the day, keep him happy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's good stuff. What is there anything that would be good for, and this this might be something that could benefit a lot of pastors out there, maybe people who are listening. Is there something that people could know about pastoral ministry that might be helpful for their pastor? Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, just practical stuff. Mm-hmm. Just recognize he's a person. Love him the way you expect him to love you. Mm-hmm. Um, encourage him. Pray for him every day. One thing I found is if you start praying for somebody, it changes your thoughts towards him. Not, Lord, I'm praying that you'll zap him with lightning, you know. But, <laughs> praying for a meteorite yeah, to hit him. Uh, yeah. You know, the people you really hate, and I know nobody, so I don't hate any. Yeah. It really borders on it. Mm-hmm. The really rile us up. It will amaze you if you really begin to pray for those people to come to know the Lord, to love the Lord, to find out what makes life better. When you really pray for somebody, it changes. And if you're praying for your pastor, honestly, God bless Mm -hmm. him. Help him. He experiences not just my stuff, but everybody's stuff and needs you. It changes a person's response to them. Um, Offer to help. Good grief. You know, just go by and say, you need anything. Uh, What can I do? I'll, I'll just say personally, if you're in a church and you have a pastor, Remember his birthday, remember his anniversary, do something for his family, make it personal more than you're our hired help and you're here to do what you're told to do. God has led you to us and you're our shepherd, our pastor. How can we be a blessing to you? Mm-hmm. And if you do those little things and and try to, you know, fill in gaps and it, it'll amaze you how much a difference it'll make. You know, a lot of pastors, they hold on for dear life. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah, a, they're not going to let go an inch because they can't. It's hang them, <laughs> and you get a you get a group of people who starts having their pastor's interest in their hearts, stepping up, 
stepping in, personal mm-hmm. little things. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, don't require your pastor to be your best friend. <laughs> that's a tough one. You can't yeah. do that. No, you can't be best one. friends with 50 people or 5,000 no. people. You just can't. So just love him and um, support him, have realistic expectations, pray for him, and um, you'll be amazed what approaching. Yeah, well, and that benefits people too. Yeah. That's, that's going to benefit the, the person in the congregation yeah. as well when they take care of the pastor and he's not dealing with having to put out fires and yeah. fights and all that kind of stuff. He's going to be able to, able to minister so much better that way. That's exactly right. So much better. And a lot less struggle, a lot less stress. His preparation for yeah. sermons is going to be better. His counseling is going to and be his better. Attitude his, be better. Yeah, his, his attitude will be better. Yeah, his attitude will be better. When he walks yeah. in the pulpit, he's not going to be angry or bitter <laughs> or wore out. You know, you'll just have a different pastor, and you can make him different by the way you treat him. Yeah, that's so true. So very true. Well, I think we'll probably wrap up soon, but I guess one more thing I'd like to talk about with you is I know you've uh, you've taught in seminary, been president of a seminary. You've dealt with a lot of young guys getting into ministry, no doubt. And maybe we could talk about that for a minute. You've got some young fella who wants to get involved in ministry, wants to be a pastor, mm. and he comes up. What are you going to tell him besides run? <laughs> That's the first thing he came If you can do anything else, do it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, you know, there are times mm. when you question everything, like, Lord, what have I got myself into? Are you sure about that? And if you don't know God is in it, Mm-hmm. You're in for a tough, tough route. Yeah. Um, so number one, know that God's in it. The counsel practically to go along with that is do anything else you can. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a, if God's leading you and you think he may be wanting you to pastor, he's wanting you to serve. That's really what a pastor is. He's mm-hmm. the ultimate servant. You know, he's the under shepherd and he's there to, to take care of the sheep. And if you think you maybe want to do that one day, then start where you are. Start serving. You know, clean yeah. the bathrooms at church. Uh, I don't mean that facetiously. I've got, I know some guys that are too good for some things. They want to be the one on the podium. That's not going to fly. Uh, somehow the ministry seems to attract people who need attention or mm-hmm. they think they can, it makes them important. And I don't mean to take away what God's doing, but I will tell you where God's working in some areas, God's not working in a whole bunch of other areas. <laughs> and a lot of people get hurt because of it. And, yeah. Uh, so if if uh, I met with one of your guys, God's got some cool stuff ahead of him. I don't know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. But my advice to him is every single day, say, okay, God, you want me to minister? Let's find a way to put that to work today. Find somebody to minister to mm-hmm. at work, at school, checkout line. If you learn to minister in the little things, God will then multiply those and increase your capacity to minister. And you may be ministering to thousands before it's over. But I will tell you, you can't take care of that person in the checkout line or that person who's down, that person that God puts in your path. He knows and loves and has something for them, and he may have it just through you. You don't do that, you're not going to be trusted with thousands. Yeah, it's one of those situations where if you're looking to get something done, mm-hmm. you look for somebody who's already busy. That's true. Yeah, and it's it, I've found in you know my working with different people over time is the people who are going to end up being good pastors and stuff. They're already busy. It might be sweeping right. the floor. It yeah. might be painting and whatever. They're just busy and involved. They're already doing. 
That's right. And that's really kind of who ends up in those positions anyway. And that's what you want, uh, you know, especially young people. Ministry is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It is a minefield that if God isn't in it, leading you, teaching you, helping you, you're going to crash and burn. And that really can be painful and leave scars for life. If he is in it and you serve where you are and let him guide you through whatever hoops you've got to go through to get to wherever he may lead you, every step of the way there will be grace. Mm -hmm. Every challenge, he'll provide the wisdom for that challenge. Good grief. I've been in this 47 years, something like that. If I had, uh, I wish I could go back and have the energy of the, 19-year-old surrendered to Ooh, wouldn't that be nice? With what I've learned now, but I don't <laughs> want to go back and relive it all. Uh, but I will tell you, looking back, and you know it, you've been there. Mm-hmm. Every one of those really tough times, you had your foundation. I know God's in this. Yeah. And so he's going to get me through, and he did. Yeah, there's times I think that I know when I went to seminary with my family, for instance, we all had the attitude that this is what we're here to do. We're going to stick it out, see it through. Sometimes in ministry, it's like God's called me to be here. And sometimes that's all you've got. That's right. And that's what gets you through. I will say this, rather than make it sound like, oh, goodness, you're walking a plank for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there's that part of <laughs> there it too. There's that yep. part of it. And there's yep. you got to be willing to. That's what yep. he said. You got to mm-hmm. die daily and mm-hmm. you might have to die literally. But I will tell you this, you find your place. And this is not just for prospective pastors. It's to every single child of God that's listening. Mm-hmm. You find your place and do what God asks you to do. It's the best place in the world. Yeah, I agree You will with that. be happy. You will be maybe not kitty happy. Mm-hmm. There will be fulfillment. There will be joy in the most incredible ways. And if that's pastoring, sure, there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of burden, but you'll love it. Yep. The, the, you know, when we talk to them, we, we have friends Pastors that are miserable and mad, <laughs> something's wrong. You know, yeah. you might have a miserable, mad day. Yeah, yeah, that it happens, but, but it shouldn't all be like honestly, that. Honestly, yeah. if God's in it and you're where you're supposed to be, whether it's teaching a class at, at church or singing mm-hmm. or ministering, whatever it may be, if you're where you're supposed to be, there will be something that you get there that you can't get anywhere else. And it's great. Yeah, I would have to say there's depth and a sense of fulfillment mm-hmm. that you just won't have doing anything else. That's right. You just won't. And that's just back to the little thing, find a way today to be a minister, to be Jesus to somebody, put a smile on their face, lift a burden. And at the end of the day, when you lay your head down, you're going to be the one better. Yeah. You know, gosh, I did something good. I feel good about myself. <laughs> and God smiles and says, yeah, let's do some more tomorrow. Do some more tomorrow. Yep. All right. Well, man, I think that's a great place to pull up and, call it good certainly well, appreciate you taking the time to do it this it has been a pleasure and i've looked at you rather than our camera yeah. so probably you're gonna have to do a lot of editing here. <laughs> well, yeah i'm hoping that for the most part people are yeah. listening on the podcast anyway now, that they sounds they good. don't want to look my ugly well, mug on the, YouTube, the camera so. yeah they can do without either <laughs> one of us but it has been truly a pleasure and uh, i appreciate you and what god's doing here in the gold coast it's really kind of amazing and uh praying i don't know what he has in store but i'm looking forward to finding out yeah me too appreciate certainly you. appreciate it god thanks darby Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful. Oh, that's good.